Welcome to Thought Leaders Talk Business Podcast, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Debbie Fleeman. Our guest today is Bob Mobley, a senior executive coach and a mentor who has been described as having a razor sharp mind and a deep curiosity about people. His highly successful one-on-one and group coaching programs are based upon his 30 years of mentorship and coaching with senior executives around the world. Raised and educated on the East Coast, Bob found wonderful mentors and teachers at Deerfield, Yale, and Columbia, people who inspired him to be himself and encouraged his love of learning. His fascination for exploring what makes people tick has resulted in a unique and refined gift for helping people be more effective while becoming who they truly are. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for the opportunity of being part of your program. I'm really excited today to talk to you about the strategy and the power of silence. And I'd like to know if you can start by giving us an example of the benefits that we can realize from conversational language pauses. Yes, I can. The example would be, if you would ask me, we're sitting across your table, you ask me some question like, Bob, why should I hire you? What can you do to help my business be more successful? If I right away start talking, I start and I say something like, well, here's what I can do. I can bring you and your business tremendous ideas. I can be a great help to you. I can help you go forward faster. And I can help you build a stronger team, and they'll be more focused in the line, and there'll be a stronger strategy, and there'll be better communication, and your clients will understand the benefits, and you'll be able to bring them to their table with wisdom, and you'll just be you'll help them be winners. The person you're talking with can't absorb that. That's comes across as a canned response. It comes across as a pitch. There's no course for speed listening, Debbie. And you know from our discussions in the past that we absorb people's ideas and we tend to visualize them. You were talking about your dad today before we started. And his influence upon you and his background. And I visualized him because I knew of him and who he was and so forth and so on. So I store that in my memory. And three months later, I'm walking down the street. Someone says, gosh, I need someone who can help me do this, this, and this better someone who has real leadership capacity, and I suddenly see a visual picture of your dad because of the conversation we had. I said, hey, 
I know someone who comes from a really good background who has got the right kind of skills and competencies and abilities to help you be successful. Her name is Debbie Freeman. Let me give you her contact number. But it was the picture of your dad that brings it all back. Now, this is how it really works, whether people think so or not. So if you ask me the question, what can you do to, why should I hire you, Bob? What can you do to help my business be more successful? If I answer you conversationally and use conversational pauses or silences and give you time to touch the ideas, they'll resonate better with you and you'll touch them. And there's a high percentage chance you will ask a question and respond. So I respond this way. Here's what I can do for you, Debbie. I can bring to you and your business the wisdom and the skills to be even more effective and successful. I can help you improve your communication so that your clients have a clear understanding of the benefits that you bring to them with your services, drawing upon your wisdom, that help them be more successful, achieving their goals, their dreams, their ambitions, and their bottom line income. So how can we integrate, Bob, the power of silence and keep the flow going so that the individual we're speaking with can fully grasp all that we have to offer. Debbie, that's an absolutely superb question. And I think that there are a number of answers that one can give or could give. I think the first is, practice being conversational, and find your own comfort level for bringing yourself to meetings and talking conversationally, and see and find out what works best for you as a conversational communicator when you're talking with someone. The other side of that answer is that benefits mean something to clients. The whys are valuable. And the whys usually will draw a question. If you and I go out 
and listen to most business discussions, most people talking and trying to sell their product or their services or whatever, they fall into the deadly trap of describing the process, the hows. If I want to know how the Boeing airplane is built, I'll ask them. What I want to know is why is it safe? And the short answer may be seven redundancy systems. And if I want more, the Boeing people will let me ask for. It's a real discipline. Benefits sell ideas. Process description does not. And I think the other big trap, and we're all guilty of this, is falling into the jargon talk as part of our business. You and I have discussed this in the past when we used to work together. Companies like a Baxter, they, they form an internal jargon that is a shorthand for speaking. It saves time. But clients, if you use jargon with your clients, many times they'll be afraid to ask questions because they don't want to look or sound ignorant. If, if you and I use military terms because you grew up with a West Point dad and we understand military terms, we're comfortable talking about limited reconnaissance or strike force. But the young man or woman who is in that Delta Dental Care office that we're trying to get their corporate business to help them improve their marketing pitch has no idea what we're talking about. Limited reconnaissance, strike force. And she's going to be frightened to ask any questions. She doesn't want to look stupid. So we want to talk with clients without jargon. We want to talk in just conversational, everyday language. And it takes some time to de-jargonize your stories because it's, a, it's internal shorthand. In an environment, Bob, where time is limited, when we speak with a potential client or a client and we might have 30 minutes, we might have an hour. What is the best way to encourage our client to talk? <laughs> I'm laughing because that's the most important question probably that you and I always face. <laughs> I think we use conversational naturalness. And I walk into your office and I say, good morning, I introduce myself. You say, would you sit down? Depending upon the time of day, you may say, would you like a cup of coffee or whatever? And we go through that little dance. And then I look at you and I smile and say, Debbie, before we start today, my darling, 
We started when I got in your elevator. But I tell you, we haven't started yet. May I ask you a question? What's your response going to be? Sure. And I say, based on your own experience, Debbie, and your own goals, what may I do to help you be even more successful going forward? And I stop and the silence fill the room. And you're going to say something. You may say, I've been thinking about that, Bob, and here's my list. You may say, well, I don't know. Well, you know or I wouldn't be there, so I'll, I just let you say, but I'll, have, I'll, get, I'll get back to you. That doesn't mean you don't, that doesn't mean the question didn't work. So then you go back, you go back and you ask another question. You ask the question, when you look at your own strategy, you look at your own business, what are the biggest challenges you and your team face? She knows that answer, you wouldn't be there. So you make it easy to fall in love. You ask them about themselves, their dreams, their goals. And when they talk with you, they give you your hat as trusted advisor, problem solver. That's what it's all about. If we could be like the doctor, you go see the, do you ever go to the doctor? Sure. Well, he or she has an unfair advantage. First of all, you're sitting, you go into the little waiting room that they finally let you in. And in comes this nice person and they're wearing a green jacket with a logo of Chicago Health Clinic on it. And make sure you know who they are. They have a stethoscope around their neck. And you know what the doctor is going to ask you. You know exactly what his or her question is going to be. What is it? How are you feeling today? How are you feeling today? And what do people do? And they done for 45 minutes. And the doctor then, on the old days, doctors say, well, let me check you out. And they take your temperature and whatever. And they say, Debbie, you got the flu. I'll prescribe some, or she's going to say, I'm going to prescribe some pills for you. On the way out, get the pharmacy to fill them. Take two now and take one every four hours. And you say, doctor, what is it? And she says, amoxicillin. No one says, What's the chemical composition of amoxicillin and who makes it? They say, will it make me feel better? What's the answer? Yes. Yes. Now, today for products liability, they may have to explain to you what the label says, but that's a different issue. How simple can you make it? How simple can you make it to fall in love? to build a trusted advisor relationship. It takes great skill to be focused and brief. Now, in this day and age, Bob, with the challenges that we're facing, face-to-face meetings, Zoom meetings are taking the place of some of that. 
how do we use these strategic pauses and these silences effectively and keep our party, other parties' attention when we're talking on the phone? If you think of the telephone as an extension of a personal meeting, When I call you, I'm going to say good afternoon or good morning, Debbie. I'm probably going to start off by asking what question, which is just a, a general conversational opener because we tend to have manners. What would I ask you? How are you doing today? How are you doing today? And you may say, fine. I'm well, Bob. I'm glad to talk to you. Here's what I want to talk about. And you focus it. And if you don't, I say, what can I do to be of value to you today? I just listen. So it's the same methodology. And a Zoom meeting is the same. We're essentially having a Zoom meeting right now. You're recording it just in sound. But we're engaging each other. And as you talk with me, as you ask your questions of me, trying to help me tell my story, if I pay strict attention and listen carefully, you're also revealing a great deal about your own experience, your own values, your own ideas, that the woman who lives inside and the more I know about who you are, the better equipped I am to custom tailor the benefits of my ideas into your needs, thereby gaining the decision I need to help us both go forward and be successful. Silence is power. And conversational discussions lets you inside a person faster than any other methodology. And no one or very few people use them or understand them. And that's been my business for 45 years, teaching men and women around the world in different cultures how to engage and ask conversational questions of the people they want to help, who are seeking help from them. Do you have any insights, Bob, into cultural differences and how they respond to silences in a conversation? <laughs> Uh, I, I love that question, and I know you're taping this, so you can decide whether or not you want to keep this in the tape. The answer is yes. Now, these are you have to understand these are mobly perceptions, mobly experiences, and they may vary. But there are some stereotypes, in a sense. The French, because of their Discardian education, always 
always want to challenge every little word. If you've got French executives sitting on a table and you're not French, first of all, you don't understand it unless you're, even if you're fluent, you're not pronouncing the words right. And they just can't help but culturally pound on you. And you remember the old Bacter days, Victor Chatiel. Mm-hmm. Well, he embodied this <laughs> and and Gerard Mouflet, they embodied this and they made brands out of it. So that you've got to be able to just let it roll off your back. And I, an anecdotal story, I was in a meeting in a chateau with ugly beds, ugly lights. They all stayed at home and I was in this terrible 16th century chateau for a week, suffering because we were having this big meeting with a big French company and they brought in their senior executives and about the second or third day, they just, it was just war. And we had lunch comes in and nice wine and nice lunch. And I turned to the president and said, you are some of the smartest men and women I've ever met. Where we are French. I said, yes, I know that. Let me ask you a question. Why do you have all these plane trees planted along your roads? And they thought, they said, oh, one guy said, Bob, that's to break the wind. And another one said, that's to break the sun so it doesn't damage the crops. And they said, and finally the president looked at me and said, Bob, you look quizzical. What do you think the answer is? I said, I think the answer is so the Germans can always march in the shade. <laughs> well, that was a showstopper. But that afternoon, the meetings changed and all the crap stopped. Japan, um, there is no word for no in the Japanese language. And I did a long session of four weeks in Japan for Lauks when they were building that big plant with his Japanese team was run by this wonderful man you may have, but he was a real samurai. And the Japanese would sit around the table with their instant translators, and I would say, I think we should take a look at this or that. And they translate this into Japanese. Well, the goal was very clear. They said, Bob, we want to know how to manage Baxter. We want to know how to manage Lauks and Gantz. We want to know how to get more than our share out of the central bank. That was, that was actually what they asked. We don't. Don't worry about our operation. We want to know how to get more than our share out of the central bank. That was the focus of this four-week program. And we we would go out at night and they would line up the drinks and they, you know, at night, if you got drunk, you could say stuff that you couldn't say during the day. And it was a fascinating culture. Well, at one point, Someone made a comment. They were making a presentation that they were going to practice on Lauks and Gantz, and they were going to team tag it. And I had to take a break and go to the men's room. I noticed that the urinal was made by a company called Toto, T-O-T-O. So I come back out, and they start their presentation with all the stuff. You know what they were like. You were there, visuals and blah, blah. I say, stop, Kamasu-san. Kamasu was the headman. Kamasu, stop. 
time, time. I said, let me play this tape back at you guys. I was taping it in a, you know, the movie tape. It's not going to work. I said, you know, you, you're, you guys are committing a toto. And they, oh, toto. You couldn't find, what's a toto? I said, a toto is what you pee in in your bathrooms. Well, they stopped and they all rushed to the bathroom. And they check it out, they come back, and they're hysterical. They're, they're rolling around laughing. But it changed the whole complexity of the meeting. And suddenly, I really was inside. And they learned to get more than their share mm -hmm. out of the central bank. So there are some examples. And I find them fascinating, and cultures are different, and you've got to be very sensitive to them and pay attention and listen. What's the best way for people to practice? You mentioned that earlier. Practice speaking to people, pausing strategically, allowing people to think about what you said to them, think about what they want to ask you, what they want to offer. What are the best ways when time is limited? The best way to practice is to practice every day on the people that you're associated with, not just business clients. Come home at night and you're home with your husband, you practice on him for a few minutes. You, you don't tell them you're practicing using silence on them. I practice using silence with Belinda all the time because I remember Tommy Sorter's great comment. The most successful way to build a relationship with a woman are the two most powerful words in all relationship building. Yes, dear. So you have a fan in your household. <laughs> I'm not sure she would use the word fan. I think right now, having been in this household for six months of close proximity and three meals a day, she's going berserk, as many of us are. And, uh, and I think she might say it's getting, it's getting a little tedious. Little, little difficult. A little difficult. Well, I think that silence can be a very uncomfortable technique to learn. When we work with people and ourselves and our teams in developing presentations and we rehearse those and we review those, putting silence and pauses in can actually be planned when we're looking at the PowerPoint decks that people are putting together, they're asking questions. A lot of them are process oriented and they don't always talk about the benefits and how they relate to their clients. Do you think that pauses can be planned? Yes. And I think that I would change my vocabulary if 
I, I say to clients, eliminate the word presentation and think of all your meetings as being conversational. We're having a conversational meeting. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to meet to have a conversation about this new logarithmic approach to solving a medical problem or whatever it may be. It's a small change, but it's a, it's a mental picture change. And I think you have to trust your intuition and your instincts as to where you want to put the pauses. There's no course in the world offered, Debbie, for speed listening. Our mouths are high-speed computers spit out information. And our ears are 15th century hand looms that have to rattle for the bones to pick up the sound. And therein lies the, the physical trap. <clears throat> you can talk faster than I can absorb. And in a meeting when that happens, what usually happens? What does the listener usually do? You tell me. We end up zoning out oftentimes. Exactly. Exactly. And the way you keep them involved is to give them a chance to touch those ideas and own them, whether it's process description or benefit description or whatever. And just realize you can't pour too much sound down a funnel. You can't, you can't pour too much liquid down a funnel where it overflows. That's the imagery. We develop a lot of presentations, as you know. And when we're reviewing presentations and trying to tighten them up with our clients, very seldom do they encourage discussion from the party that they're talking to. And I think that if we all start thinking about these presentations as conversations with a potential client or a client, we will probably be a lot more effective. I think the answer is you will, without question, be not only more effective, you'll be much more successful in achieving the goals that you're trying to achieve with them and for them. And this shows up on your bottom line. Anecdotal story. When Knox started, he started Caremark. They started Caremark and they were going to build it up and make it work. And they had, they took salespeople from around the company and seconded them into Caremark. And it was, people were concerned, you know, the usual stuff. You're part of that culture. Anyway, he sends out the first tranche of people to come out. Among them was Sam Wilcoxon, who was a young tiger at the time. And we talked about the importance of what you just said, engaging and getting people talking and giving them time to respond. And at some point, and I don't know if it's in a letter or if it's in a document or if it's on that website, but Vern made the comment to somebody, he said, you know, Bob Mobley's coaching of our Caremark team put $300 million on that company's value. That's a pat on the back. That's a pat on the back. Big congratulations. 
And I think that right, wrong, or indifferent perceptions become reality. And if, you, if I perceive you as thoughtful, you're thoughtful. If I perceive you as committed, you're committed. If I perceive you as loyal, you're loyal. And the best way to do that is to be yourself and talk with me. And we engage each other. We're, we're, we're talking today. You're recording us as part of your business platform. Because you know from your experience these ideas have worked for you. But you're also seeking to help me find a way to reach out to an audience that I may not be able to find anymore. That is a more contemporary audience using the technology that you're using. So you're creating a win-win. Why are we creating win-win? It's very simple. We like each other. We share values and we trust each other. It's that simple, my love. There are a lot of people who can learn these tools and techniques, which they're very shy to engage with because it requires time. It requires research before you talk to someone. It requires planning what you want out of that meeting, helping the other person get what they want. And I think that when individuals, especially the younger ones who haven't been in business very long, start utilizing some of these tools, Bob, they find that they work. I think the answer is absolutely correct. They do work. And then these ideas become truths. I have found in my experience, Debbie, over the years, if I was able to give a client one idea that worked for her, and she took it and it worked for her, then it acted as a ripcord on the parachute that opened up the entire set of concepts inside the program. And they all became valid. So in order to make you accessible to all of the people who are out there, Bob, how can they reach out to you? How can they contact you? I think the easiest way, you tell me if there's better way, would be to contact me via my website, which is mobleyleadership.com. Dot com and my phone number's on there, www.leadership.com, and say, I'd like to talk with you. Give me a call. Here's my contact information. I'm comfortable with how we're doing it this way with the Zoom. I'm at ease with my website, and I can obviously still use a telephone, and I actually can write letters. Those are good tools to have. Bob, you have a couple of programs that you offer. Can you briefly tell us about those? I can. The programs programs are all built around the core concept that you're best being yourself and that you're 
most powerful communications tool is being comfortable and adept at using the silence, the natural pauses of conversation. And the programs then are structured to support the building of trusted advisor relationships. There's a program on organizing information and preparing ideas for conversational presentations. There's a program for projecting your values in a way that is team building and not come across as arrogantly self-serving. There's a program for becoming, if you're interested, how do you become a true servant leader? Rising above the crowd to become an inspiring, compelling individual who men and women want to fo- want to follow because they know you're going to help them fulfill their dreams, their destinies, attain their goals, and essentially build a win-win for everybody. And then there are variations within that. I take the whole, my whole course, my whole coaching has always been driven by what the client wants to do. If the client wants to do something that is outside of my purview of knowledge or outside of my ability or skills, I will say, I can't do that. That's, I'm not a forensic chemist or I'm not an accountant. I can't tell you how to cook your books or <laughs> whatever. You also can help folks with developing character and understanding different types of character. I think that's the key. And that goes back to that character is really the most important quality of leadership. And one of my favorite sayings is that leadership is wrapped inside the mystery of one's character. Take a look at your dad. Would you describe your dad as a leader? Absolutely. And if I said to you, what made him a successful leader? His honesty and his integrity. I don't think you can fake honesty and integrity. I think people know when it's real. I think they know when you're honest. I think they know when you have integrity because you live those values. That's a very hard lesson for people to learn today, and particularly in an era and age of constant isolation through technology, through the cell phone. Anecdotal story. Lynn and I went to dinner the other night before the COVID crisis in February. We sat at a little table in the corner of one of our favorite restaurants in the bar. 
And as we're leaving, a, a gentleman, probably a contemporary of your husband's and a woman, a contemporary of yours, they stopped us and they said, we've got to ask you a question. Would you mind? I said, we said, no. I said, we've watched you for the last hour. You never had your cell phones out. You, you, you didn't even have cell phones with you. What were you talking about? Wow. And we wrote a laughter and said, we're just talking, catching up with ideas. They said, you know how unusual it is? He said, we don't have any cell phones on it. He said, but look around the restaurant. Every table has cell phones on it. No one's talking. I said, this is the curse that the young people have to deal with. And Debbie, this is not an advertisement. This is an observation Mobley's making. And I'm sure you'll get, you'll get people who say he's crazy, he's wrong. He knows not what he's speaking about. The amount of time that I have been spending the last several years with younger men and women, coaching them on how to carry on a conversation, is mind-boggling. They literally do not know how to ask you a question to get you talking. And yet they're involved in business. Many times they're involved in very important positions. They're competent, but everything's on Google. I mentioned the other day in a class of young women that came out from a healthcare company in Indianapolis. Uh, and I said to them, you take a look at the, who are your heroes? And do you have any heroes? And one of them said, what do you mean? I said, people you admire? Oh, yes, they had some. They said, who do you admire? I said, well, I have a lot of people I admire. I admire many of my teachers. One of my favorite role models is Winston Churchill. And this young woman looks at me and says, who's that? Wow. And you realize that we have stopped teaching history. We've stopped teaching a continuity of important values. And this is the discussion for another time and not relevant probably, but relevant but not now, what you and I are talking about. I also said to them, and this is my 46-year-old daughter, very astute, very smart young woman in her own business. My daughter gave me a lecture, said, Dad, you said you can't say to a woman, you look attractive today. I, Gee, I love your outfit. Dad, that, that, that's just not permitted. That's just, you can't do that. that that's... They're like taking this sexual harassment. I said, come on, Jennifer. She said, Dad, listen to me. I'm telling you how the world is operating. You're living in a Victorian era. You think you're still in the Raj in India with Churchill. You're not. So a group of this, a group of young women came out from the medical company and the first night at dinner before we started the next day. I said, by the way, I want you all to know don't get excited if you, if I say to you, gee, I love your shoes or just I love your scarf, I am not sexually harassing you. That's just the way I talk. That's the way I deal with things. It's part of the way I grew up. 
give me my space to be myself as I coach you on how you find your space to be yourselves. And they roared with laughter. They said, you don't have to tell us that. I said, I'd rather put it on the table so it is no misunderstanding. And then later on, as they, we left, one of the ladies said, you know, Bob, that's smart. That's smart. There's, the rules are clear. And there's not going to be any misunderstandings. I said, the rules you want, to, the rules to always be clear. And then there's, that's the best way to build success. Expectations, performances, integrity and trust. Those ideas we're talking about today. You've been very inspirational and have fulfilled all the listeners with a lot of insights that they probably already know, but they've never put into practice. Well, I want to thank you especially for taking the time and giving me the opportunity and the your platform and your wisdom and your expertise to put these ideas into a format that may be of help to some people somewhere, sometime. I'm sure they will be. Thank you very much, Bob. Debbie, thank you very much for your time, your care, your love, and your energy. God bless. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Thought Leaders Talk Business, where we tap into the minds of business consultants and professionals to gain ideas and strategies to help you gain a competitive advantage. I'm your host, Debbie Fleeman. If you would like to reach me, email me at debbief at creativetechresources.com or pick up the phone and call 847-902-4175.